Hello and welcome to my podcast, The Power of Audio, Science and AI, supported by Stockholm Music City. I am Jasmine Moradi, your host, and in each episode, I'll take you backstage to meet with some of the top audio, science and AI personalities in the world. I will interview entrepreneurs, authors, business experts and thought leaders to learn how and why they're so passionate and determined about what they do. I will give you the knowledge and the insight your business needs to succeed with your audio branding. My guest today is my new friend Martin Willers. We are both part of the Swedish music tech community, Stockholm Music City. Martin started the boutique design firm People People in 2009 with a group of friends. During 10 years, the firm started the lean hardware movement in Scandinavia, designing several wearable tech startups focusing on innovation, design, and sustainability. They got voted one of Europe's hottest startups by Wired magazine and was in 2018 acquired by the Swedish design firm Dommermann, that in turn now is acquired by Ernst & Young. In 2014, he co-founded Transparent with several successful campaigns on Kickstarter, the latest, The Light Speaker. The products are sold in the world's best design stores and shown in music videos from artists like Will I Am, Britney Spears, Robin, and Snoop Dogg. Martin is an active speaker on the topic of sustainable innovation and have given talks to 10,000s of people globally. He has a bachelor degree in visual communication at the University of South Australia, another bachelor degree in industrial design at Umeå Institute of Design. He has also been the thought leader at the crowdfunding site Kickstarter and an editor of the Swedish Design Industry Sustainability Guide. In this episode, Martin and I are going to discuss the ins and outs of sustainable design in audio systems and when sound experience meets sensorial lightning. With that, Martin, I welcome you and thank you so much for joining us. Turn up the speakers. We just launched this uh, uh, last week and, and we have uh, almost 500 pre-orders already and, and surpassing our goals quite quickly. So um, it's always a good feeling when you bring a baby out in the world and then uh, there's a positive reaction and press rights, positive reviews and uh, all that. So that's, that's the best feeling as an entrepreneur when you, when you get to actually put products in people's hands. I'm so happy to hear. So let's start where everything started uh, in, in your life. So I read at 17, when you first visited the Umeå Institute of Design, your first impression was that it was like a Santa Claus workshop. So tell us about this magical impression, how, when, and why you fell in love with graphic design as a boy. Um, yeah, I mean, I was good at drawing and I was also quite good at like having big visions and thinking in my head a lot like drawing big pictures of uh, like uh, I could uh, you know as soon as I saw an ostrich pitch I could picture myself there talking about something like I've always been that kind of a person I had big visions and in Umi it was the first time I could see like something coming out of the 
page of a drawing book into physical reality. They had a huge 3D printer. They could print an entire car, you know, like from a machine. Uh, and uh, in, in Sweden Christmas tradition, we have this Donald Duck clip where they have the checkerboard color. So the paint, like the paint is already checkered. That was the feeling like, oh, this is where magic happens. This is where it's created. And, um, and it is really true that has been a really strong international uh, design school. So, so a lot of the people that I met there are now creating those magical products out in the world. So uh, in some sense, that, that experience uh, that, that sounded a bit like um, uh, childish almost was true. It was the chocolate factory where, where, uh, where magic happens. So I've been really fortunate to be able to visit and, and be a student at that school. And, and uh, that's where I met my co-founders and uh, it set a lot of the paths I'm on right now. And also I read that you have long time been interested in the environment. And when you were 18 years old, you were in the Youth Environmental Parliament and your degree project was on how solar energy can become more interactive for the end user with the dream to set up a company that would uh, help people's needs as well as becoming profitable and improve the planet. And your dream came true when you started the groundbreaking design firm uh, people people focusing on innovation design and sustainability so tell us about this journey your success stories your failures and of course your learnings I think uh, the, the dream is true when we are on a sustainable um, planet in the sense sustainable for humans uh, and and we're pretty far from that so I wouldn't say uh, any of those dreams are coming true quite yet it's a very very long uh, road ahead and the urgency is ever more present but uh, it was a dream to start a design firm with some of the best designers in the world uh, my co-founders all worked at Nokia at the time and they started working at Nokia before iPhone so that was like when Nokia was the big thing and for them to quit their job and move from Helsinki back to Stockholm to start a company with me was uh, one of the best moments in my life to, to have that uh, you know, uh, feeling of a never doubt that a small team can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. That was really our ethos at, at, at People People. And, um, but we front, like, we've been front row in the kind of innovation processes of big companies like uh, Ikea and Samsung and uh, developing new products. And it's really hard incorporating sustainability. Uh, I think we're the agenda has it moved up the corporate agenda a lot in the last 10 years but it's still kind of like treated as accounting rather than innovation why and, and, sorry to interrupt you why um it's it's the do less bad so the first step for a lot, a lot of companies is just measuring their impact and it's typically huge mm -hmm. and they put kind of an accountant on that role and that accountant is sitting up in in um in the castle tower, kind of like Father Farai, like the wise person up in that castle uh, tower and it's visited once a year and he's dusting off the books and like, here is our CO2 footprint. We reduced it 4% and uh, that, that doesn't really change corporate culture. So I think, uh, the, but you know, the feeling of actually innovating and actually changing a business model to something that people understand, that, that that's real change and that I think motivates across the board. So I think that's really the new agenda for sustainability rather than just accountability, which obviously we also have to have, is that feeling of uh, understandability of like, how does this business actually make sense? Do I understand that this is circular? 
is it actually recycle recyclable you know yeah everything's recyclable to some degree you know in, in nature it's entropy it's just uh you know the human system uh we, we we've been better at marketing these terms than actually understanding them and what kind of success stories can you tell us about back then that you were able to um, involve sustainability um, when it wasn't really on the agenda, which is more today? Do you have a story to tell us? Sure. I mean, one thing that we quickly realized, the typical industrial design project might run a couple of months, whereas you do like a proper life cycle analysis of a product, it takes 12 months minimum because you're analyzing manufacturing and all parts of the life cycle of a product so from manufacturing to usage uh, to end of life and uh, potential recyclability so um, that took way too long for us to like incorporate a proper life cycle analysis so what we did was something we call life cycle analysis sketching which was basically you could quite quickly identify from these different phases of a product what is most impactful so a good example is like a water boiler, the high impact is doing usage. If, if the Brits would just not overfill their water kettles with water when they're heating for their tea, it's more energy than all their traffic lights put together. So it's just like, there's a lot to be found there. And if we could identify the big, uh, the, the big staple in the diagram, that would be the kind of horns on the devil, so to say. So if you could take one or two of those and innovate just around that, then there would be an entry point for us where we could make a difference within that short time frame that we had engagement as industrial designers. And a lot of impactful decisions are made in the manufacturing process, but typically it might be really tricky to get a company like Electrolux to switch from one material to another uh, because they're so well established in their supply chain and all the levels of quality assurance that goes into that. To just change the material is typically quite hard. But whereas like lightweighting one material or addressing one aspect like that is totally feasible. So that was kind of our entryway to actually feel that we did make an impact, even if we had a, a shorter scope or an intensive sprint on the side. Um, so that, that's a good example, I think, of how the design tools can kind of map to the challenges of, of, of uh, sustainable um, design. Very interesting learning. And it was actually a People People in 2013 that you guys, uh, via a successful campaign on Kickstarter, launched your own first project, uh, Transparent Sound, uh, with the aim to kill the giant wood and plastic home audio systems, as you believe that audio is best heard, not seen, and that the best electronics should last a lifetime, so its waste will be removed from the world, from the learnings uh, that you've had. Um, tell us about the story, how Transparent Sound was born. So how it started was basically when we started People People, we felt like we wanted to be the rebels of the design consultancy, industrial design consultancy industry. And what we did at the time, which was unusual, was blogging. So we put projects out there that wasn't for customers. We just like asked for experiments. Uh, and, and one of them was like addressing something we felt strongly about at the time which was like that technology was like at war with the home decor. Uh, at the time, we didn't have that many Bluetooth speakers uh, or wireless speakers. So most people were connecting to an amp uh, backside and had this you know, red and white RSA cable on the back of a stereo to the front of a headphone jack on a phone. And it all felt very unoptimally designed. So could we remove all that cable mess and make something much uh, you know, uh, cleaner with less cables and that was designed to sort of be interior friendly 
to, to actually add value to your living room. And we blogged an idea about that um, and it became viral. Uh, at that time, Tumblr was the spreading engine and it became a Tumblr hit and we had like 10,000 visitors on a website in one day. Uh, and also unusually, we had the comment field as an industrial design studio. So people were talking about the design actively on our own site. And one of the comments was, you should put this on Kickstarter. At the time, Kickstarter was only available in the US and uh, uh, we, we were like, okay, that, that sounds interesting. And uh, it ended up um, me, me saying to Pair that had designed the, the, the blog post, like, let's just do it. It's the most rebellious thing we can do to just put it up there and see what happens. Uh, and so it, it was a little bit of a spur of the moment to, to, to go for that and then, uh, yeah, it's interesting looking back now uh, how much has happened in, uh, since, since we were successfully crowdfunded seven years ago and uh, it uh, totally put a new path in my life. That uh, spur of the moment decision to just thought, this sounds exciting, let's try it. And uh, we, we got um, funded and, and we put that into the new company. And um, uh, we, we first weren't sure at all what the company would be doing. We thought, probably not just speakers, we call it people products rather than people people. Uh, we then renamed it when we decided on our second Kickstarter, okay, let's, it's probably easier to run a company that does one thing well. So then, then we changed the name to Transparent Sound and now the brand is transparent. Like what is your mission and signature with, with what you're creating right now? And why did you end up doing like an audio system? Um, so, um, we, um, when we designed the first speaker, like I was mentioning, uh, it's, it's standing here next to me, the, the first Kickstarter project, um, the idea was like, uh, what would the perfect living room speaker was be? And, uh, uh, it turned out that, uh, this woofer here is, is exactly the size you need to get people off the couch at a home party to, to get them dancing. It moves enough air for you to sort of start feeling it in your body. And then if, if you know, that, that will lead to dancing if you're in the right mood. So, um, and that needs uh, 10 liters of air, which is the volume of this glass box. So to perform well, and uh, then you have the stereo elements to provide the rest of, of the, the sound range. And um, it, we made it transparent. So it would be blendable to a lot of environments and also wall mountable. Uh, and in materials like aluminum and glass, they're both highly recyclable, but also more like interior uh, design materials rather than uh, plastic um, kind of spaceship design that you see a lot. So uh, that, that, that was like the motivation about creating it that way, as small as possible with the correct function for a living room. And uh, then um, the name transparent didn't really come from uh, uh, I mean, we, we, we like names that tell it like it is. So calling a transparent speaker is very clear. There's like no uh, marketing fluff in that word. Uh, uh, telling it like it is feels like eye level and how a brand should be, be behaving. But then uh, as we learned actually during making speakers and learning all about tuning sounds in a digital way, we learned that transparent sound is the name of uh, uh, sound that gives an authentic reproduction of a studio recording, meaning that there's no uh, a lot of coloring going on or amplification. It's just like how it was recorded in the studio. Mm -hmm. So you hear all the instruments. Uh, and we thought that 
that's really where uh, sound is going as well with being higher and higher um, uh, data amounts. You can reproduce sounds uh, to that level. So uh, that's how we tune the speakers as well. So it made sense from several. But now as we mature and become more than a product and a brand that, that might make products that are not transparent, we're called transparent. And then we also feel that that's symbolic of our approach to several things, including being crowdfunded and very open about uh, our processes uh, and our goals um, as a company. Uh, so we are um, someone uh, that you can have a high level of accountability with, a high level of transparency uh, in that sense of the word. So it has several meanings to us uh, and it has a really clear heritage, obviously. And a few weeks ago, that is the lighting speaker that you're holding your hands. Uh, you just launched it at Kickstarter and it was another successful uh, campaign. And that product is a multi-sensor light and sound experience. Uh, and it took you around two years to develop it. And this time you actually chose to add the lighting to the experience. Why? And what was the inspiration behind the design? And does it move to the beats? It does. Uh, I'm not going to put music on again, but like it also has this natural an animation and it and it goes from like a, a really like cold glow uh, up to like a, a warm candle to something that uh, that's a bit more like a, a warm light. Uh, so uh, it, it, we, we've spent a lot of time just looking at where when does light add value to your living room? Like we looked at sound and, and the home from a sound perspective a lot. So we were like really interested in other senses uh, as well and in Sweden I think we're world leading candle consumption country per capita because we we have really dark uh, winters up here in the north so uh, we we really love what we call misbelisning which is like cozy lightning it's a word that uh, you know uh, is really powerful to a lot of Swedes uh, and uh, this is our like export of that feeling like so we just wanted to, to to not make like a disco speaker but something that's like if you put it next to your bathtub you will have much like twice the spa experience if you you know just have it like i have played usually on on the breakfasts now with my kids it's just it becomes this little mini campfire where we like are more likely to dance in the morning and have fun uh so uh that that was the goal with like is seeing how how it could be something that that would, uh, you know, not be at war with your decor. <laughs> Something that adds value. And and the, the design, can you show us what it means, how you build the sustainability in it? And what does it really mean for the end users that it is sustainable? Yeah, I mean, sustainability is a big word for us. Our interpretation of it is that, okay, uh, the number one thing that we can do to reduce, uh, you know, uh, greenhouse gas emission and save natural resources is actually making people use technology products longer. So, so one year extra usage equals a lot, a lot of years of like saving energy consumption 10%, for example. So, so that's our number one goal at the moment. Uh, and that way we can do that is to obviously make it high quality so it lasts in itself. But, but secondly, make it modular, both so it's repairable, but also so it's upgradable uh, with new technology. And in this case, also with the battery, uh, battery has a certain lifetime. If you're gonna use it for generations, you're gonna need to change it. So um, those are the primary like design driven uh, uh, things that's coming out of that. 
And uh, to make something uh, repairable and modular and high quality, we use again like uh, hardened glass, aluminum, um, that are highly recyclable. And um, our long-term goal is to make it circular in the sense that we can have a full take-back system under our own management and also uh, have a circular business model and uh, uh, maybe not only sell the products, but actually uh, provide them as a service. And, and what uh, has the, the, uh, the response been from the early uh, buyers or uh, Kickstarter? It's been, uh, it's been very, like I said, it took off really well. Uh, and uh, uh, like having 500 pre-orders in, in one week is a lot for us. Uh, and uh, um, we also seen like good press. Uh, we were interested in to see how something, I mean, Bluetooth speakers is a super saturated market to, 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 so that even people care to write about it is some, some level of recognition. Um, it, it's interesting, I think with the handle, it really looks clearly that where the design inspiration is coming from, the kind of lantern shape that's uh, portable, but not like, uh, it, it, it's a, it, it has a strong function basically uh, but without this it becomes a little bit more of a like design object I think without the handle and just sort of blending uh, into an interior more like a uh, yeah it just looks like a nice little thing. One important aspect of your success is that you guys as you said are focusing on becoming the home audio system mixing beautiful iconic Swedish minimalistic design sustainability and transparency but there's another aspect, and that is that the customers want high quality. So how have you worked with the audio quality uh, to be able to offer the best speaker experience for your user? And how is it uh, compared to your competitors? Or is it, and is it even possible to offer a best uh, audio experience? And what is that? Uh, the best audio experiences uh, are typically people just saying, like when I was at this concert, you know, they, they had electric goosebumps all over their body. And, and uh, some people are able to reproduce that in, in their homes. Uh, and uh, ultimately, uh, music experiences are subjective. Uh, and it, it, it comes down to what your parents played you as a baby and your DNA and it's, it, it's similar to taste in that sense that like even the best three-star Michelin uh, restaurant is going to have slightly different appreciations of different courses. But uh, there is also obviously like real physics and science in creating sound waves. And uh, I, I've been uh, nerding out on that quite a lot since starting this company. I, I didn't come from an audiophile background. I don't have any degrees in that. So I do, I still approach it with kind of like uh, an ignorant <laughs> approach where I'm sort of maybe making a lot of like, um, breaking a lot of rules. But I think the basics we have is like, what do we want the speaker to do? So with the large speaker, like I mentioned, it was like getting people off the couch. Uh, I have the smaller one here. Uh, that's for a smaller apartment, or in my case, I typically have, I brought it in from the kitchen, but it, it's louder than my kids and the dishwasher uh, if I listen to something that inspires me to cook well. Um, so so it, it fills that function in my life. 
um, really like listening to like my favorite podcasts on it. Uh, so that acoustic volume is good enough for a small mid-sized room and this one is a slightly larger room and maybe uh, up to the level of disturbing your uh, neighbors as well. I was gonna say that, what is the neighbors gonna say? Because once you have a great speaker, it's not used just hearing it, you know, the walls have ears. <laughs> and I think that's a lot of systems today, to be honest, are over-designed. You shouldn't put like one of those big woofers in an apartment, it's, it's, it's not, that's not like, how how we're need like that's not how uh, you know apartment life is unfortunately and this one the acoustic volume here it's um we still want this to sort of if you gather a few friends around the campfire we still want it to be audible and clear to everyone so we tried to make uh, a big 360 sound out of quite small form factor to increase uh the feeling you get from this uh we we, uh, we made a passive radiator here in the bottom uh, that's the kind of woofer and uh, that this is a closed sealed volume of the glass to drive that, those bigger sound waves. So it, it, it's a lot of acoustic design that goes into something like and make it look like a natural thing. Um, so, so the dome shape here is to spread the, the sound in that direction uh, or omnidirectional. Uh, and, and, uh, but, um, and then uh, like I mentioned, like the transparent, so, the first step is the science of sound is basically you need certain volumes and certain uh, sizes and stuff of the drivers to, to move sound waves in different frequencies. Um, the second part is what is referred to as tuning, which is a really big part of modern speakers because all sounds go through a digital processor and that processor can do all sorts of magic. Uh, basically, that's how a, a, a thin laptop can sound as good as it does. It does sound pretty good to most people. Uh, to people like me that that works with speaker, it sounds pretty flat and, and shallow. Uh, so so. It's, uh, but um, how digital sound works is basically, I don't know if you ever seen a sound file that kind of looks like a Christmas tree, has yeah. a lot of spikes up and down. Um, to make that file smaller and go through your internet quicker, they, they kind of cut those tree branches down and compress it. Com compress it, right? Compress, compress, it compress the sound file, exactly. And, and I think the first generation of speakers that were made for digital use cases, they had a lot of what we call like the Beats by Dre sound because, because you compact that, you lose the high end and the low end. So they tweaked up and amped that up a lot. So you hear a lot of oomph, oomph, oomph from a file. The problem now is that since we have higher levels of streaming, even crazy levels with 5G coming in, uh, the sound files are getting much better than CD quality. So that, that mentality is no longer accurate. And from the start, we were tuning for this more transparent sound range. So now our speakers are, uh, you know, perfectly aligned with that trend. And, and a lot of musicians appreciate uh, the large speaker for that. And, and uh, Swedish artists like Steve Angelo plays their, their studio songs on this in their home to sort of hear a good, natural reproduction of what a normal system might do and um, I think we're in a few other Swedish artists uh, home setups as well so that's a good testament that we are actually achieving that level of sound performance and I don't think people looking at our brand since it looks so designed that's not how, how we're viewed but, but how do you uh, want to be viewed? Do you want to be viewed as the beautiful audio home system? Or you want to be viewed as the system that really has the amazing sound that is not compressed? 
or maybe you want to be viewed as both depending what people are looking for uh, in their in their homes I, I mean I think timeless design to me is doing a, a function really well that's when it lasts in your life like uh, and and you can fall in love with the speaker's sound and then you want that speaker for the rest of your life and it, it has to be that good that that people can fall in love with the sound to me that's that's my view on our products and if they do yes what you expect them to do but a little bit better that's the ballpark where we want to go so we're not like extremely driven to do the studio i, I mean that audiophile uh, that uh, level where it's like provenly the highest frequency something uh but what we managed to do is like people that love the design and then buy our products and get them home are positively reacting to the sound and over time since we're not like optimizing to sound as loud as possible or anything like that it becomes even better, more likable because it's you know constantly providing a good quality sound so uh, my goal is to make those products that people want to keep in their life for a long time and if the sound is that good, people are going to be more likely to uh, upgrade just another part of the speaker like we do now with the, the, the stuff we kickstarted seven years ago. We we're offering a Bluetooth dongle mm. so you can get the latest Bluetooth 5 technology in those old speakers mm. with just something that's more than a matchbox. And, and uh, going forward, there's going to be other wireless technologies that we enable in that sense. Mm. And for us to have a use case around that, that means that people actually get to love the the speaker platform enough for them to not just buy something cheap that has that built in and, and be part of that very linear fast consumption cycle of consumer electronics. Well, so, I was so, going to ask you, how are you guys different then than your competitors? Like what are the, I don't know, three, five top areas that you are different? Uh, I mean, the, the, the approach to make something timeless is, is something strongly like uh, that demands a lot of work in all the details from us in terms of design. Uh, the modular approach for sure is, I don't know a competitor doing it in a modular way. Uh, you can't take apart some speakers, obviously, but like having it as a stated focus, I, I don't see. Uh, um and the 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 design uh to 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 start a product with the aspect of like okay the most important thing is actually all the time you don't use the speaker is it taking away value then from your interior or are you happy to see it mm -hmm. and uh, i think uh, a lot of our customers are happy and proud to have our products in their home it adds value to their living rooms rather than like being something they're trying to hide away uh, as need, like kind of like your TV or whatever, like it's it's a necessary evil. It's actually something they they value, like a design furniture, and and uh, checking those three boxes, making it timeless, modular uh, design is like really what we wanna, uh, how we feel we different from the the rest of the pack. And if we would say, let's say speak another three to five years, where would you wish that you were standing? Um, our vision is to be the first circular tech brand and I, that doesn't mean we have to be the biggest tech brand or anything like that it just means uh, like for years when you ask people like who do you look up to and and patagonia has like owned that so much uh why is there so few examples on that list you know uh, i like max hamburgers but it's still hamburgers you know i think they're doing a great job but like why isn't there you know uh 
and yeah, you can say that Apple is doing things, but they're they're bigger than many countries, so they have geopolitical interests. They own, you know, they own mines of aluminum. It's you can't really judge. I mean, you obviously they're gonna, you know, uh, secure their resources and. Uh, uh, they're coming from a completely different angle, but like we want these brands that are clear in their path, you know, uh, and I really hope we will be that brand that people can say, I understand their vision and I can see that they're on that mission by what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I, that, that's where I feel like then our impact won't only be in the actual sales, it will be on a broader impact on the industry as a, as a challenger and someone that people might have to sort of look at our business model and say, okay, we're also going to like, we're going to need to to do this if we're going to meet these climate goals. Uh, so that, that would be my vision for the next few years that we are growing enough to make the, an impact where we can actually influence an industry. That, that's my goal. One thing that I like with the big companies is that suddenly when they start seeing that customers want something else, they're great at copying it. So how simple or difficult would it be for a bigger company to go from, I mean, change their supply chain and become more circular? Do, do, are you like more in a, like ahead of them or could they, um, yeah. I, you think, the, I think it's, it's easier than most people think, you know, uh, and the, because the in industry machine is really, you know, blind if you put recycled plastics into it or not. And at some scale, it starts to make sense to, 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 to just take care of your own trash and not just leave it all around the planet in the oceans. And I think we're going to see a lot more of those. Like, it just makes sense that, that you know, uh, you have take-back systems. You're, you know, we, we have to sort of... Uh, demand that out of companies that they, they can't be like as linear as they are today and I, I think we see there are like with the green new deal in europe and a lot of the legislation things that's coming in uh you know right to repair obviously being one of those uh things that we're going to see already next year in paris a new mark for repairability uh, it just feels like uh why aren't more brands there already in terms of how easy it is to to uh to use use it on a material perspective on a business model i think there's also a lot of things pointing into this direction where it's like why do we want to own more stuff less is more you know i think again this year is going to just accelerate a lot of those changes it's like if you have one box too much in your apartment that has taken up a lot of space in your life if your uh you know storage is filled which most people have very filled storages then you can't put that box anywhere and you're like Am I owning stuff or is stuff owning me? Maybe I should just subscribe to half of this stuff. And maybe that would like, then people would, you know, uh, edit a little bit of it so it would be an even better experience or, you know, so it, I think we're on a path to, to, uh, to, to challenge uh, hardware ownership as well and look at more as a service and more as something you would stream. Amazing. And uh, I'm going to ask you very few last questions what is pumping in your home speakers today um well i, I played like a classic uh like disco up version here uh for you before with mary clark uh take me i'm yours uh as i'm uh, as i'm uh, getting 
less 13, more 40. I'm, uh, uh, I'm uh, you know, it's interesting. Music is so timeless. The things that is really good and makes you dance it is also have, has this timeless quality. So I think I, I have been a bit sentimental this last week and listened to a lot of those kind of feel-good uh, disco versions of Soul Divas, which is, uh, yeah, it, it just makes me happy when it's dark out, basically. I'm happy to hear it. And then if you would tell us three sound effects that has positive memories and uh, energy for you, and then three sounds that have the opposite. Wow, that, that, that's, uh, that's like naming your favorite dishes or anything like that. It's very, you have to like go back in your head. Um, I was reflecting over why this is music is strong to me. Uh, the, and um, I had colic as a child, so I was screaming a lot. Mm. And my, my mom especially, but also my dad was dancing with me uh, to music and uh, um, a lot. And I know mom, my mom was dancing a lot to Tina Turner. And uh, <laughs> I recently got that vinyl for our vinyl player at the office. And I, I mean, I listened to it a bunch of times and it, it just resonates really deeply, you know. Uh, that and I think that's like really interesting. That um, I mean, it's objectively good, but to me, it's uh, comfort food as well. You know, it, well, it's, it's memories. Great. It brings up memories. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I I realized that I've stopped listening a little bit. I mean, now uh, this week I listen to happy disco, but like uh, music that really want to make me dance. I've because it makes you so depressed during Corona, working from home, and you just know there's like months away until you're gonna ever see a dance floor. Uh, I, I've listened to that a little bit less, um, to be honest, and uh, just more of a mellow R&B uh, sound. So um, I just ordered uh, Erika Badu's first album on vinyl, and I think that, okay, so the first one's Tina Turner, Erika Badu, and I'll just, uh, you know, and I already discussed what I'm listening to now, uh, like Mary Clark is a good example, just like so powerful voice and so uh, all powerful women theme. Uh, I like that, I like that. I like that. And are you still playing the vinyl and not through your... How I never, it... like I, I didn't come from my audified background. Interestingly, this is us being kind of um, user center we had so many people asking us about vinyl setup so we actually started selling a vinyl player um and we might go into actually having an one under our own brand or not uh, <laughs> gotcha uh, no, but, but is the sound better yeah. is the sound better on a vinyl then uh i i think it's just uh, to me it's not about the sound being better or not i think it's mm. uh, some cds are worse than vinyl for sure uh is a full-on broad-scale digital file better than vinyl? Yes, a lot better. So it's like, um, but some of some things are not done in modern recording studios. So uh, it, there's no object. Like some 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 vinyl is done the best way to listen to something, and some are not. But uh, the the process with now your life being such a playlist, like oh, it's my you know you forget to save songs, and it, it's just my my life is much more soundtrack today than it ever was before but it also makes me less of a conscious consumer of music so for me the whole process of putting a vinyl player on especially if it's friday at office and and you know like at three o'clock we're gonna have a share and like 
celebrate another hardworking week, uh, that's a special feeling. And you know you're going to be with that record for half an hour, an hour. Uh, yeah. You have to flip that record. Investing in an experience like that is sort of like, um, instead of just doing the recipe, tasting it once and seasoning it, uh, that just makes take the ownership even you didn't come up with that recipe you didn't make that pasta but now you have that sense of ownership because you seasoned it a little bit or you had that like nice parmesan cheese on top of it uh, and uh, then all of a sudden it, it's just such a more immersed experience and i think that's what lionel does and that that's what we want to promote and i think it's lost on on this last generation of music consumption we forgot about like the power of someone mindfully putting together a record and some of these records are just mortal when you listen to them you're like this holds yeah. uh so yeah that, that uh, is the magic and the secret about music it's very subjective very individual even the the songs what kind of memories he has when did you listen to it uh but also the the sound effect because i feel like for me the audio system is more about how i want to feel the oons oons the boom boom you know that rather than to listen to it because I don't really understand the notes in the music or I'm not very much for the lyrics. So I don't think there is a solution for all as long as there's products for all of them. So I'm still looking for that. I want to feel the music, but I think your product is amazing. And thank you very much for joining to sharing your story with us and where can people purchase and support uh, transparent sound i mean uh, we're still the light speaker is still um, on kickstarter so um, go to kickstarter and look for light speaker or our website transfer.rent uh, and, and link from there uh, so if you get it now you obviously get it to a great discount compared to what it will retail later in the spring when it is actually released um and uh yeah uh follow us on instagram i guess if you want some inspiration on cool interior uh and uh and ways to use speakers as something that adds value to your living room well that's all for today's episode of the power of audio science and ai i'm jasmine roddy your host and thank you very much for listening if you like this podcast and want to follow my journey towards discovering the secrets behind the power of audio science and ai then make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing on my website, jasminemorati.com, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. I'm working towards increasing the value of music so that artists receive the fair share of the economic value they create in our society. So make sure to spread the words to your fellow brand leaders and business network through your social media. Stay tuned for my next episode where I will speak to my new friend, the one and only audio alchemist, Steve Keller. We're going to discuss the ins and outs of the psychology and quantification of audio. How to harness the power of sound to shape perception and influence behavior in the new now. This episode is supported by Stockholm Music City, recorded in the pop booth at the co-working space The Park in Stockholm. The music by Skirk. <laughs>